Well, Ron, thank you for coming on Topless Government. Really appreciate it. Um, I know we want to talk about, we're going to delve into this episode about, you know, the quality and abilities of, you know, candidates that are running for public office and how it's kind of transformed, you know, our democracy into something that it, that it shouldn't be. Yes. I mean, and I think this is a timely discussion because, you know, we're, we're almost to the midterm elections and it's kind of rough right now. And so I'm, I'm very happy that you came onto the show. Um, I'm the host of Topless Government and I live, breathe, eat and sleep politics. And I've done two tours of duty uh, in the U.S. Senate and one tour of duty in the House. And it's my privilege um, of having worked in state and local governments in corporate America and, and in several lobbying firms here um, in Washington, D.C. So my guest is Ron Ham. He's a very good friend of mine, and he's actually taught me everything that I know about lobbying and being a good advocate for, um, for your clients. And so Ron is the president of Ham Consulting Group. And so, Ron, if you want to, you know, talk a little bit about um, the Ham Consulting Group and and what you do, um, we can start off right there. Well, thanks, Crystal. Uh, first of all, I'm delighted to be uh, with you here today, and you've been so you have been so gracious to say that I taught you everything you know. But you, you're an amazing lobbyist in your own right. So it's, thank it's you. Been, it's been a privilege to work with you, but more than that, to, to be a really good friend uh, over the years. And uh, of course, in my uh, area of work, uh, I have advocated for local governments, uh, public sector agencies, uh, including higher education institutions, uh, four-year colleges and, and community colleges. For most of my career, I actually began working in local government on the ground where people will tell you when there is a pothole or their trash needs to be picked up or they want to have some community development block grant funding through HUD to, to do neighborhood or community improvements and revitalization. So I've had the opportunity to be on the ground working in city and county government in Southern California. And then uh, upon arriving in DC, I went into the lobbying, lobbying field for local governments in Southern California, and then also worked with a, another firm where Crystal and I met. And I worked in about 10 different states, uh, again, advocating for municipal governments higher education nonprofits and uh, several private sector firms. So I'm happy to be here. Uh, you know, what we do for our clients at the Ham Consulting Group is of course advocate, whether it be for federal funding, it may be for legislation, it could be for regulatory relief. The other thing too, is to work to really raise our uh, clients' profiles here in Washington and to create opportunities where there may not be opportunities. So we enjoy the challenge of doing that. Uh, within the federal federal government. So uh, grants are a big part of what we do, appropriations, authorizations, um, as well as following all of these tons and tons of billions of dollars that are out there and really making sure that the client is well positioned uh, to take advantage of those opportunities uh, if they are good fits. So uh, that's a quick wrap on who I am. And, I, and Krista, I really look forward to having this discussion with you today. Uh, yeah, because, um, you know, because I know you live in Virginia mm -hmm. and, you know, I live in D.C. and I've been seeing a lot of these ads for, you know, the 7th and 10th congressional districts in Virginia. You know, Abigail Spanbaum, what's her name? Spanberger. Spanberger and, and Jennifer Wexton. Yes. 
I mean, and I think this is like the perfect example of what we want to talk about today is, you know, the GOP candidates that are running against them individually, their leadership qualities, their qualifications, their ability to just work with others besides Republicans and the, you know, the extreme views that they have. I mean, you know, it's just, we are now at a point in our country that it doesn't matter about your qualifications as long as you go along with a certain base within your party, then, you know, and you keep saying the same thing over and over again, and it makes it true because that comes along with conspiracy theories. I mean, I was just like, the, you know, your thoughts about those two races and, you know, the impact that it's having on, you know, the qualities and abilities of, of candidates running for public office. Well, those are two very relevant races. As a matter of fact, Jennifer Wexton is currently um, my congressional representative. And, you know, I think she's she's done a, a very good job uh, here. Uh, I will tell you, just watching some of the advertisements, and it goes both ways, mm-hmm. you know, it's like I really wish that they would verify the information and also provide some perspective before just putting those ads. And I know People have done political ads forever, but as one that's worked in this business for quite some time and, and worked on campaigns, I worked on campaigns when I was in California. Uh, the thing we always always wanted to focus on was having a good, competent, respectful person that you could trust who wanted to do the work. And I think in watching these two races, it's all about what you're not going to do, <laughs> you know, when you get to Washington or what what you plan to do is really going to hurt someone else. And I think it is, it's the sound bites, it's the attraction of, you know, let's just throw folks out and we're going to get these people in and they are going to do X, Y, and Z and make this country great and and all those things. But what I find out is those, some of the people that are running in these races, number one, they're not very honest. And number two, they do, they really want to do the work of legislation. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to, you know, are they really going to study the issues and look at policies that make a difference in the Mm -hmm. quality of life of their candidates? I always tell my friends, I said, when you look at people, whether you vote Republican and Democrat, and I worked for a Republican when I was in California, right? when you look at that, are they going to make your life better or your community better or improve things? If they can't tell you three, if there's an issue, crime, for instance, Mm -hmm. if they can't give you a succinct answer in terms of what policy they would put forward to, to deal with the crime issue, rather than just to say, uh, you have all this crime under the Democrats or the Republicans. Mm-hmm. I really don't want to talk to or vote for someone like that. I want to hear someone say, if I am in office, these are the steps that I would take for. This is how I would work with other folks to bring about the change to make sure that, uh, that, that people are safe. So my theory on that is you have to stop looking at um, parties so much. You need to really take a look at the candidates, but we are just so split these days. I was talking to a friend early. He's like, Ron, is there any way that you can get rid of the Democratic and Republican Party? I said, well, mm-hmm. if I could do that, I would probably be, be beyond earthly, to, to be honest with you. <laughs> I said, the bottom line is I don't see that going away. And I said, I just, and actually, I said, I don't think some of these folks coming into these parties have never really studied the history of these parties. They just, you know, they will connect to a name in which I've seen the Republican philosophies. And I have to tell you, many of the folks that are running these days in that party don't represent those those qualities and attributes that I found and values that are uh, that are part of being Republican. I could say the same thing for, for some 
Democrats. But the bottom mm-hmm. line, I always tell people, look at who represents your interests. Are you voting because you, you the sound bites, so you're unhappy about something and you think someone's going to come in, flip a switch and change your life overnight? If they are selling you that, you probably want to run away from, right. from them as well. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> I mean, I'm, I, I've just been struggling, I mean, even mm-hmm. with voting in D.C. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I don't agree with a lot of the incumbents that are running for reelection and everything. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, it, it, it would just be nice for the folks to just be honest and just, you know, but they can't. I mean, and you're right. It's, it's on both parties to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. It really, mm-hmm. really is. And it's just the one thing that I do remember, I think. Um, I think this really all started when the late Senator John McCain picked Sarah Palin as his running mate. Someone who I work very closely with. And yep, I know. I know. You work with him too, so yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where it started because mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever watched the movie that was um, based on all of that. It was, I can't remember the title of the movie, mm-hmm. um, but Juliana Moore played Sarah Palin. Mm-hmm. And remember at the very tail end, end of the movie where, you know, the concession speech and, you know, you know, Senator McCain was trying to keep it above board. And, and, and then when she came out on the podium, Sarah Palin, just the enthusiasm of people. And then it was the it was the comments that were made by Senator John McCain's campaign staff, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Oh my gosh, she has unleashed something that we're never going to be able to come back from." Mm-hmm. And I mean, and it and it's, I mean, and it's sad. I mean, because she she was governor of Alaska. I mean, she beat my former boss That's in the right. primary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and no one, she came out of nowhere. She was mayor of Wasilla, Alaska, which is, you know, a little further south of Anchorage. And I mean, she, she beat Frank Murkowski. I mean, badly in the primary. And it's just like, she never, she never had a grasp of government. Right. She didn't. She really, really didn't. I mean, even as mayor of Wasilla, she didn't grasp anything. I mean, she ran that state in the ground. Mm-hmm. And then she left. She never. She didn't even finish her term, Ron. She didn't even finish her term. And she I mean, and, and, just, and she, yeah. she yeah. Well, you know, you know, S three sixty has an office in Anchorage, mm-hmm. and you know they have the stacked primary. They have the stacked elections. Yes. And so, you know, I, I just. I mean, she, I don't. She's not going to win. Because between her and the other Republican, basic, basic, because he comes from a prominent political family. That's true. That's right. But the thing is, just like, you know, you look at her, she was the beginning of this nonsense. Yep. And it, I mean, and it continues to go on. And then with, you know, 2010, when the Tea Party people came in and you just sit there, you're like, well, do I really want someone who doesn't even have a clear understanding of the budget? Or just how to work with people who have, you know, good leadership qualities. That's right. Because these people don't. No. 
No, you get rewarded for talking loud, saying outlandish things. Uh, you know, and, and I look at, uh, you know, even some, I think the Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example, mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, and people say, well, Brian, you work around this stuff. How does she continue to get elected to office with all the things that she says and the, the antics that she pulls? Right. So we need to ask her constituents that, I mean, it's someone that likes that kind of behavior and that supports it. And I said, the problem with that now is, is you see politics evolve. You know, it used to be, you know, you would go and get training. You would go, you would be really vetted and you would have mm -hmm. to bring something to the table. But those days are gone. I mean, you can just, you know, pretty much self-identify and say, hey, look, I'm running for office. And, you know, again, the, the more outlandish and, and brash you can be, you seem to be rewarded. You look at Arizona state that, you know, I worked in for years in terms of what's happening uh, there in the governor's race, uh, you know, and again, and even more so in the secretary of state races, which right. we never really paid attention to secretary of states. You know, it was like, yes, yeah, an office. But now right. we've come to know how critical it is. And you have election deniers all over these ballots all right. over the country. So to me, um, I, I think we are in some trouble here. I've seen Liz Cheney support, and I think uh, Ryan up in Ohio, and she's, uh, I think there was, she was supporting Alyssa Slotkin, who I work with in Lansing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had someone tell me, they said, well, that's incredible. I've never seen that before, but maybe these are the kinds of things that, are, that have to happen. I said, well, those are anomalies. <laughs> yeah, that's an yes. anomaly because typically she's not, it's not like she's receiving good grades for doing this with exactly. Party. So there's a price to be paid if you step out to do something like that. So, yeah, and like you said, back to the races here. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, I am glued to both of to both of those. <laughs> I voted, me and my son voted last Saturday mm -hmm. in the early vote. And we just, when we left, we were thinking, it was beautiful because we voted in peace. There were no protesting, no one right. with weapons watching us vote. Uh, people were cordial and we all probably were voting for different people, but it didn't really matter. It was just, we felt like it was a good environment. And we also said, this is how it should be at every polling station, every place that you vote across the country, people should feel safe and free that they can go in and exercise uh, the sacred right. Yeah. I mean, you know, cause you know what, you bring up a good point about vetting that has long gone. And, and that's unfortunate because, you know, you have these political arms for both parties, mm -hmm. you know, and they're not doing any vetting no. or they just, they said, oh, well, if you have a base that's vocal, mm -hmm. we'll support you. Yes. Or if you just say you support the former president oh, and yeah. that's fine, then that's it. That's the only qualification mm -hmm. that you need is that. That's right. That's right. And I mean, and it, I mean, it's sad. And I, I mean, you know, we, we were having a conversation with a Republican member mm -hmm. yesterday who's from Louisiana. And, you know, we were asking him about, you know, what's going to happen in lame duck. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, guess what? He said, if we win and we've been, we win by a large margin, FY23 appropriations and NDAA, that's it. Wow. They're not going to do anything else. And then, Ron, I asked about community project funding. Mm. And he said, well, you know, the Freedom Caucus has already released a list of demands. A long list of demands. Mm -hmm. They do not want congressionally directed spending nor community project funding next Congress. So he said, and you know, his deputy chief of staff said the same thing, it's contingent upon 
the the margin of the of, of the conference. Okay. He said if they get more than 30 seats, in all likelihood they will be able to keep you know earmarks. Okay. But if it's if it's if it, if it's a slim majority and he said the House Freedom Caucus members are going to hijack the conference and just basically say no you're not going to do that. He personally wants to keep them because mm-hmm. he thinks it's an abdication to the executive branch. I would agree. I, I, yeah, I, I yeah, and I'm just like you know, the process has actually worked out really well this Very year. Transparent, yeah. But you know, the first year, last year, it didn't because it just happened so quickly. That's right. But but now that they have, the, it's been in there, you know, for over a year now, almost two years, it's worked perfectly. And you know that makes me wonder because, and I work with the members. It's a part of that caucus, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's the same thing. Uh, he said he would look at the possibility of community project funding, which of course uh, he he didn't submit any projects uh, mm-hmm. for any, any of his constituents. But I, I will say, when I look at Freedom Caucus and some of these groups, I'm thinking. What? Why are you here in Washington? Right. I mean, you know, what is the end game? Is it just to, you know, lambast people or to say the government can't do anything? Um, is it just for? T- what? What's really? What do you want to look back and see as your legacy as a right. member? And I just, you know, don't understand that. And then my theory has been, and I've checked the websites of some of these folks, just the mm-hmm. press releases to say, hey, well, let me see what they did in their district because these grants came out. These were huge grants. Did they get any, or, or what projects have they steered back? And I see nothing. Right. I see no press releases on anything that you've accomplished for the district, but I see all of that, what you're not going to do, and you're going to oppose mm-hmm. Dr. Fauci and all those kinds of things. And I'm thinking, people, you are losing an opportunity with these folks in office. You need to vote someone in that's going to, you know, help you repair those streets and, and uh, deal with the energy energy efficiency issues, uh, deal with cultural community revitalization. Mm-hmm. You want those things to happen. But, you know, to me, I don't understand. And you pay taxes. And I'm thinking, I would definitely want, when I drive on a parkway, man, I am glad Jennifer Wexton Right. Did this and VDOT went to, to USDOT to mm-hmm. do things. That's what should be happening. But I don't I think some of these guys wouldn't even write letters of support for, for grant applications. Right. Ask me. I know because I work with some and it's I'm thinking, okay, you won't do the appropriations piece. My God, we're competing for a grant. At least write a letter, but they won't do that either. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, do you want a mouthpiece or or do you want uh, someone that's going to to, to bring something home to you. And uh, until we make that choice, we're going to be hung with these kinds of, of candidates. And you're right. They don't, don't know what the budget looks like. They don't, they're not really engaged and excited. To me, they're not passionate about the real world. Right. And that's what we have to get to. But it's up to us as voters to do that. And the parties have to help find those kinds of people rather than, you know, you joining your base and you listening to the former president or the current president. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, way too, we're in too many camps here and we need to, as Americans, I think, come together around these things. Well, you know, because it's funny because when um, when I was at university and studying, you know, political science Mm -hmm. and we were going all the way back to the founding fathers and the political Mm -hmm. parties. Yep. And, you know, how they had the Whigs, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was all it was it was so many different, you know, and it wasn't I mean, and I think it was George Washington 
that warned about the politicization of our government. Yep. And in his farewell address, you know, he 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 saw it coming. Mm-hmm. And we still haven't even, you know, we still haven't learned our lesson. I mean, we're still in the great experiment of our democracy. That's right. And people still have not learned their lesson about, you know, sometimes you just have to pick the right person because of how they stand on issues. That's exactly right. And yeah. I mean, because yeah. it's funny because, um, you know, because I, I do show notes for each episode. Mm-hmm. And there was an article in the Washington Times, I mean, the Washington Post about, you know, um, people seeking public office and their qualifications and abilities. Mm-hmm. And they said it matters. And then you, um, I don't know if you remember former um, Congressman Lee Hamilton. Oh, yes. From Indiana. He said mm-hmm. the same thing. He said, look, he said, it does matter. And, you That's know, right. but unfortunately on both sides of the aisle, it's just, you know, you don't have those folks that think that way. I mean, and then when you have the new freshmen coming in, you know, because they've, you know, toppled an incumbent who happened mm-hmm. to be in leadership. Yep. And then and they're in a safe district, but they don't have any kind of empathy for their Democratic colleague who's in a district that, mm-hmm. you know, went for Trump. And they're like, well, you know, this I'm going to I'm going to help, you know, get him or she primaried because I don't like yep. the way they vote. No. And that's a great point. And I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I had been reading, went back and did a little research and there was a Brookings um, article. Yeah. And yes. it talked about uh, reengineering politicians and basically how activist groups choose our candidates even before we vote. So you just oppose that against what you just talked about on those primaries. That's exactly what's happening. So, and you can see with between the gerrymandering mm-hmm. and uh, then these certain bases that are created, it's already cooked before you know right. before you get there. And those primaries are where people. I don't think they're paying enough attention, and maybe they are. I don't think so because you're right. Basically, it's not the general anymore. It's the no. primaries where this thing is determined. And the Republicans, to their credit, they have they have maximized the use of these primaries to get you out if you weren't singing from the same sheet of music, especially with this last administration. And it's, that's right. continuing now, even though he's not in office, uh, you know, President Trump is still continuing uh, now because, you know, he'll, he gets on television, he'll say, hey, if you're not with me, you, you're going to get primary and you're going to lose. Right. And, you know, he won a lot of those. A lot of those people are running right now. So. Well, you know, he's he's going to announce that he's running for in 2024. Uh, not again. Okay. Yeah, he's going to do it after the elections, at the okay. midterms. Um, I, I, you know, I mean, it's the cult of personality, Ron. Yes, it is. And I mean, and they have these litmus tests on, on both in both parties. Yep, they do. They do. I mean, because I always say this on my show, you know, the Democrats eat their own. Yes. And the Republicans are always in lockstep, unified with the messaging. Mm-hmm. The Democrats are not. I mean, because the Democratic caucus is not homogeneous in any way, shape, or form when it comes no. to, you know, their political beliefs. It's not. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to work together as a caucus. That's, that's right. The Republican conference 
you know, people privately will say, oh, I don't like that. But when it comes to the public stuff, they stay on message. And I, I mean, I, I just I mean, I don't understand how the Democrats cannot understand that nor do it. And then also, you know, oh, when they go low, we go high. That's not working anymore. That 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 is not that is not working anymore. And I think two things there. One, you're exactly right. It's like there is no level of control. The Democrats sort of do what they want to do. It to me also their messaging is just like antiquated. They just don't message well. Uh, right. Because I think even as bad as things have gotten with inflation, I mean, I was like, why didn't you explain that this is a global issue? There, you know, you talked about the gas companies, the prices of gas and all those. Well, those companies, food, they're making record profits. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you're talking about it on November 1st. Yes. I mean, where, where, where have you been to try to defend that? So, and then to me, all, and I told, you mentioned the White House folks, I said, you know, you guys, have, there's been some really good policies that have passed. Yeah. You guys have put forward that's gone through Congress. That the right, right. The law. I was like, but no one knows what it is. And the other thing is the language that they talk in is too I complex. know got to simplify and take take the university levels off that stuff and and just meet people where they are so those right. are things that i think they uh you know need to work on because you would think my god after january 6 you pass a bil you pass a uh, what is it inflation reduction act yep. you do all this arpa stuff to me i'm like god those are policies that these are good things you should be uh, reelected. you should this shouldn't be an impediment to you being reelected. Mm-hmm. It should help you. This is good policy. But again, you know, they, the messaging just has not been there. So I think they suffer a lot from that. And, you know, that recent letter on the Ukraine stuff. That, oh, my. Uh, now that what did was, you think about that? I thought it was complete failure. I thought that was a mess. That was unfortunate. That shouldn't have never happened. No, you know, I mean. App was getting blamed. And I'm like, no, well, time out. You can't really blame your state. You're the leader here. Yep. You know, you're in that position. So you can't just. Uh, throw your staff under the bus and you know eventually you say them and then you say well I'm ultimately responsible but man how can you have such a faux pas this close to the another thing this close to the election and I mean that was bad for a number of members in that caucus they were really angry about that and they should have been well yeah because it was funny um and do you work with her no well I did know her scheduler um, because I Mm -hmm. invited them to Washington Potlatch to sit at our table. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I have an issue with the Progressive Caucus for a variety of reasons. Right. They don't understand the long game. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I can say, and I tell people this all the time, but just to gently remind them, Ron, that Speaker Nancy Pelosi grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. That's right. Her dad was the mayor of Baltimore, right? Her And her brother was a congressman from Maryland. That's right. And I keep telling them, I said, I said, you know, Baltimore politics are bare knuckle politics. Mm-hmm. And that's where she honed her skills. I mean, I don't agree with her on a lot of things, but I respect right. her when it comes to the point where she says point blank. We need to get this done. If you if you're if you're not going to vote with us, tell me in advance. Right. Don't go out to the media and say you're against this. And then I hear about it. And then you expect me to not do anything. Because one of the Mm -hmm. other things with relation to like keeping these, you know, 
the Democratic caucus and the Republican conference in check is that mm -hmm. there needs to be some consequences. Because remember um, Tom DeLay? He didn't, the hammer. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, and, and I actually said that on Twitter and somebody mm -hmm. said, well, that's so dictatorial. I said, no, it's not. I said, there's too, there's too many re rebels in each of these caucus, well, in the Democratic caucus. That's right. And, and, you know, and it's like, at some point, if you want to stay in the majority, you just need to, sometimes you need to just help leadership. That's right. And, you know, and, 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 and then I'm, I'm getting to the point where when it comes to like certain issues and certain members in the Democratic caucus who are Catholic, they're pro-life, pro-gun, but they're with you 99% of the other times. Right. But you are, but you have a problem when they vote against, you know, gun control, gun reform, and, you know, any, any, you know, abortion bill. It's like, because I'm sorry, that's their faith. That's right. And then also it's the makeup of their congressional district. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. That and does I, matter. <laughs> and, 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 see, and that's what I don't understand. Um, cause, okay. So here's another example. Congresswoman Katie Porter. Mm -hmm. I work with her. Yep. Her district is in Orange County. Mm -hmm. You know who she invited to come campaign for her? Take a guess. Was it from the White House or a minute? No. Nan from the not squad. Who? From the squad. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Not, oh, uh, yes. Omar? Yes. I was just yes. in the district. <laughs> Two, two weeks ago. Yeah, see, to me, and again, someone who currently does work in Orange County, has you worked mm -hmm. in that county with Cal State Fullerton, and living in Southern California, yeah, that's that's not the person you bring to Orange County. No. I mean, she just, did not read the room. No. She did not. And, and, I mean, and that's why, I, you know. And she's, she's actually a pretty intelligent woman, too. She is. Yeah. She, I mean, she is. And I'm just sitting there and I go, why? Why would you do this? And it's just like, read the room. That's right. I mean, sometimes I think, and I shouldn't say this out loud, but I mm -hmm. am. Sometimes I think that they want to be in the minority. Yeah. Yes. You know, so, and it, because the things that they do and the things that they say, and then, you know, all this stuff about, you know, free college tuition. And then they talk about um, free public transit. Well, there's nothing free here. And right. you know, I was with a client a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. and, and me and the other people that were in the room after we left, we were like, oh my God, these people, they want everything free. Right. You know, someone's has to pay. There's a cost to this. It's not really free, but yeah, they were like, yeah, free transit. People should, it, I mean, almost any service, social service or human service, mm -hmm. they were like, it should all be totally free. Right. And I was like, well, the problem is the metro is not going to run if no one's paying. You, you have exactly. To, you have to have you have to pay. It's already heavily subsidized anyway, so you mm -hmm. have to have someone pay. But yeah, but there's a lot on that progressive wing that thinks everything should be free. You know, and I, as someone who's put one son through college and have I have one in now, you know, uh, it's sort of hard for me to say free tuition when I'm paying tuition. Yeah. You know, for everybody, and I don't think and that some if you get that. 
you necessarily appreciate it if, as much as, as someone who's worked hard through school, had to take every dime and work and pay and go to school. Mm -hmm. That's a different ballgame. But I think just to say free tuition, and frankly, the thing about free tuition is there are a number of uh, institutions, one of which I work with, that is not in favor of that. Mm -hmm. Not in favor of Well, I mean, because having worked at Urban Research mm -hmm. University and, you know, having dealt with the fact that the majority of the funding came from state government. Right. But it got this particular institution in a particular state. The governor at the time literally reduced the percentage of state funding to mm. 10%, Ron. Wow. So I said the unthinkable, and I said, well, y'all are a private school. We might as well just become a private school because we're only getting 10% of our funding from the from the state government. Right. I said, but we're a state government entity. And I said, but the state government is not helping us. I mean, because they'll tell you like, oh, we're going to give you money. And then they go, oh, I'm sorry, we're clawing it back. Oh. We're doing a pass. How did they call it? They're doing a swipe. Okay. I mean, and they did this consistently. This governor did it consistently every year because in that state, higher education and healthcare are not protected under the state constitution. That's why. So let me ask you this: uh, Did that other flagship, well, if you call it a flagship, yeah. was that other state university? Did they? Was it equitable or not? No, it was and, not. Okay. There we because go. there's the you know the one there the, you know they have the two systems no mm -hmm. yeah um no three it's like three or four yeah no it was never equitable okay because as long as remember football is king yes football yep. is king mm -hmm. um and I mean and it's unfortunate but it's just you know people just fail to realize that you know like you said everything in life is not free. You have to look at these pensions. Yes. You know, um, in these transportation sectors, there's just no way. I mean, it's the same thing like with the post office. That's right. That's right. And, you know, even in, uh, in some of the work we're doing in North Carolina, mm -hmm. you know, they are saying, well, God, we need to put these water systems and water lines in. And I said, well, there's a way to do that. I mean, you know, because they put all that bipartisan infrastructure money, but there, mm -hmm. there's a WIPIA program too. So I said, you know, you you can borrow to do that. Oh my God, no, no, we don't want to borrow. We just right. We don't, we don't. And I said, well, but that's access to millions upon millions low interest loans. You might want now. The interest rates have popped up since I right. told them that. But the bottom line is, it's just again, uh, you know. It's, the, the the free is the better way, and I agree. If I can mm -hmm. you, help you get a grant that you don't have to, that's fine. But I was just telling them that you need to look at all the different avenues as as you seek this, and some of that may involve may involve a payback on some of right. these on, on some of these federal funds you receive. Right. So it, it's just uh, interesting. I try to t you know tell everyone that I see that yeah, nothing's free. Uh, no. There's a cost for everything that's done here. Uh, and I think, you know, the other thing, too, is, it, it, that I will say is I don't think mm -hmm. we should not make investments in in, in, in in things that are going to advance this country. You know, they, right. you, you know, the chips and science, I think that's great stuff. I think, again, we need to continue to do what we're doing uh, in terms of uh, STEM education as well. And as but the other thing, too, is workforce. I think we need to still focus quite a bit on workforce with, uh, you know, industry, community colleges and their partners. Right. But I think you want to know what the outcomes are too, because because uh, members used to always tell me I was going, they said, well, you guys come in talking about this training, talking about training. 
how many jobs are actually being created? Because, yeah, I want to help you with this, but I also want to know where the jobs are being created so that right. my constituents will know, you know, sort of when they see these training press releases come through and opportunities, they know that they can go down to ABC Community College and get trained and have a chance to get the, these jobs. So, uh, you know, I, I think all that counts. And again, members who want to do those, who ask those mm -hmm. kinds of questions <clears throat> who are engaged, those are the kinds of people that I want you know, up in exactly. representing me, not some that just pat you on the back when you say, oh, that sounds great. Yeah, that sounds, well, you know, just keep in touch with me and we'll see what we can do. No, we want to know, this is what we want you to do right now. Right. And I think right. the whole thing about elected officials, and I tell people whether you're, it's your city council member, it's your county commissioner, mm -hmm. it's your water board, it's your waste board, it's, it's, it's whatever, your economic development, you can hold these people account, you have to hold right. them accountable at every level. And, you know, we don't do that. I think I did that. I had some inquiries into Glenn Youngkin and he had mentioned some things. And I said, you know, I want to know more about this. I want to share my opinion on that. You know, I didn't get an answer back. I shouldn't say I didn't. I still haven't. He's not been in too long. So maybe mm -hmm. he'll ask me eventually. But the bottom line is that, uh, you know, I was like, if, if people are voting in like this, I at least want to reach out and let them know I have concerns and I, I want to let you know, and I'm not going to go away. So, you know, if I don't hear from you in the next three months, I will be calling your office and writing you right. again until I get the answer. But I think we, you know, we elect, we go vote and then we complain that they don't do anything. And it's like, but we've never really held them accountable from the day they got in. We just vote and we go, you get upset and, or you don't let them know what's on your mind. And so often, you know, I, I think we bring a lot of this as voters on ourselves. Right. By the people we elect and the people that we don't hold and we don't hold them accountable. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I saw um, a clip mm -hmm. on social media. Um, I, for, I can't remember the name of the woman. She has a podcast and she was at, I think she was at an HBCU. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were talking to the college students about voting. And one young woman stood up and said, you know, we keep hearing this from y'all. Mm -hmm. But and she started talking about how difficult it is for her father because he can't read. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it just, and it's just, you know, it, I get frustrated with young people because they want instant gratification. Yes. And, you know, and I live and, with one. So, yeah. Yes. Well, because it's funny because, yeah. you know, with the generation Zers and, you know, mm -hmm. and the Ys, and I mean, because you and I are Generation X. That's right. And I read on Twitter this one, David Hogg. Oh, from yeah. The from the Florida kid. Yeah. He said, you know, my generation has never been, um, you know, alive in this country when it's been good. Cause it's um, always been divided mm. and I'm like, well, I'm sorry. We grew up under desegregate busing desegregation. Right. And I go, this country has always been divided. He said, you know, it's just, you know, it's the uncertainty. Cause he, he talked about the inflation. I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, I grew up right. in the seventies. Right. What are you talking about? Yes. Gas shortages. Yes. And I go, huh? Yeah, not a new phenomenon, right? No, I mean, it's not. And they think that everything is going on now is a new phenomenon. Yep. Yeah. I mean, because it was funny because um, my, my podcast producer, Marcus, we were talking earlier before you came on. Mm -hmm. 
you know, like what happened after Watergate mm -hmm. and how Richard Nixon stepped up to the plate, resigned. Yes. And left peacefully. Mm -hmm. And then Gerald Ford became president. And, and then, you know, he's like, I'm going to pardon the president. Mm -hmm. He said, because as a country, we need to move forward. That's right. That's not happening right now. No, uh, it, it's not. And I'll say this about the young people. There was a poll up, I think I saw earlier this morning. Mm -hmm. And I think it said that 22% of them say that they are not going to vote. 34 say that they are likely, and I guess the rest said that they probably will. And so the issue that was being raised around that point was whether or not, um, you know, are, is, is, is there an issue reaching that generation, this generation, the Generation Z, because they should want to be more engaged in voting right. and being involved, heard, having their voices heard. And one person said, well, you know, the, the issue with that is when you're late in a campaign like this, it's sort of hard to chase those folks at this point. You sort of got to go right. where you know you're going to have the votes. So, you know, they were saying, well, you can't get them with network news. You can't, you have to have their ads on the phones. You have to do all these things that are really, really different. You got to get on Instagram, I guess, and TikTok and all those right. things. Right. If you want to reach those people. And the other thing too, my son was telling me we were driving to the polls last week. He said, well, nothing's going to change no matter who we vote for. And I said, time out, buddy. Wow. That's not true. And he says, well, I see it. He's like, it's the, the political system is built on money. He was like, it seems like whoever has the most money has the most influence. He was like, and that's why he said, but no, you know, I know, you know, I know how precious this right is to you and to, for us, for our family and friends and many others. Mm -hmm. He says, but no, I'm going to cast. He's like, but I just don't have the faith that things are going to change. And then he's like, yeah. And then, you know, the whole Trump thing just turned everything upside down. I said, well, yeah, I said, no, he did. But I said, you, we can't live live off the fact that he came in and turned it upside right. down and things can't get any better. And I said, you should never feel like your vote is not of value because it is. And I don't tell you who to vote for, or how to vote, but you need, you, that's your voice. So <laughs> never feel like, you know, it's all about money and nothing can change. I said, there are people elected every day all across the world that right. probably never thought they had a shot that, that are in office. So I said, I don't ever uh, think of it uh, that way. And I think you're right on Hill in the country. See, the problem we have now, so you, you were just telling me, you know, that the former president is going to come back and, you know, mm -hmm. again. So he's going to start at ground zero with the divisiveness and then all of the stuff that, that, that he runs, that he likes. Because you're right, after January 6th, that should have been some type of, you know, I am very sorry for this, you know, these things shouldn't have occurred, but that's never going to happen, especially no. when... People are running on a lot. Think about this. You have people all around the country who know, mm -hmm. it's been proven this this is all a lie, a hoax, a lie, and they're still leading in their polls. Yes. I mean, I don't know. Yes. I was, I was like, now, I've never seen anything like that. Right. <laughs> and I said, these would people would be, would have been disqualified day one, but these people are leading in their polls and they are still running. I said, anyone that's running on a lie should be disqualified. I wish there was a way to disqualify them. For running, exactly. but, you know, yeah, we, we can't. But I tell you, if they're running on that, I tell people, what do you think they're going to do when they come to Washington? What do you exactly. think they're going to the governor's mansion? What are they going to do for you? Because I don't see nothing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, I mean, you know, the president said, he says, yeah, he said, if they take over the House and Senate, they're going to impeach me. He's like, for what? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, like, seriously, like for what? And it's like, we know high crimes and misdemeanors. Okay. <laughs> right. They probably are going to use that. 
you know, they're going to go after Hunter Biden. Yes. I mean, all I will put it to you this way. I was talking to an appropriations staffer on the House side who's mm-hmm. in the minority right now. And I was like, oh, I know you're busy, you know, wrapping up FY23. He said, well, no. He's like, we're, 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 we're working on investigations, on oversight and investigations. Oh. And it's already started in the House Energy and Commerce Committee, by the way. Okay. The ranking Republicans already sent out letters to all the federal agencies under the jurisdiction of that committee. Yes. It's already started. And Jim Jordan's done the same thing on the judiciary, too. Uh-huh. He said that because, you know, he had already said that Mary Garland needs to clear his calendar. So, yeah, I mean, so you're going to get two years of retribution. And then I wonder mm-hmm. what be like mad because nothing's going to get done. And then they'll flip back and be like, OK, let's change the majority again. And it's like because the Republicans, you know, if anything, they're going to what they say they're going to do, they're going to do. They and are. I do believe those investigations. <laughs> I agree Fauci, with you. They're going to bring Fauci up there and beat him up some more. And yeah, I think they'll impeach. They said even Kamala Harris too, yeah. because she hasn't done her job at the border. You know, they'll they'll impeach Joe Biden. But I don't think McCarthy. My feelings. I don't think he really wants to start off dealing with that. But that Freedom Caucus, I'm telling you, he may not have a choice to be honest. Well, yeah, because funny, because you know the um the head of the Club for Growth. Mm-hmm. He said point blank recently. He said don't. He said do not go down that rabbit hole on impeachment. Yep. He's like don't do it. Because the moment that they do it, that's going to be their downfall. Because, I mean, all it is, it's just a, a minority. That's right. In in their caucus and then with Republican voters in general. They're in the minority. That's true. And they scream the loudest. At the end of the day, people want results. Exactly. exactly. You know, they want, like, we already know, like you said earlier, inflation is a global issue. It's not mm-hmm. just us. That's We're right. ranked the lowest inflation rate. In the nation, I mean, in the in the world, in the mm-hmm. world, right? And I mean, and they keep blaming Joe Biden. It's like it's, this is not Joe Biden's fault. No, it's not. I mean, mm-hmm. I will say this to Senator Bernie Sanders' credit, mm-hmm. he did go on one of the Talking Head shows, Sunday shows, and said, I think it was on Meet the Press, and he said, no, he said this is not President Biden's fault. He said this is a global issue. Our inflation rate is the lowest in the world, as opposed to other major, major industrialized countries. And, and, you know, and people are just like, well, and my whole thing is this, Ron, if you're going to vote your pocketbook this mm-hmm. midterm election, then you don't want your democracy. That's true. You, you just don't, because yeah. it's just like, I'm sorry, democracy is on the ballot. That's right. Next Tuesday. It's on the ballot next Tuesday. And if you're worried about a short term, you know, you know, negative impacts on you, knowing that we're going to get out of this by next year. Right. Economists do say that, even though the Fed eh, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they been... doesn't know what it's doing because it's not right. working. It's not. They keep doing the same thing over and over and it's not working. And I will tell you this, there was some, uh, I think, some independent economists who, you know, th- th- what they were trying to do was do a com- comparative, uh, whether, you know, if, we, if, if the Dem- Republicans take over, the stuff that they propose, how much will that improve the economy? And they were like, right. nah, nah, I really won't. <laughs> so they're like, so if you're voting, like you said, on that, based on that, yeah. you know, I hate to tell you, but you're probably not going to get the result you want. And I think no. that gets back to people. See, they hear those campaign ads, they see these guys at rallies and these mm-hmm. campaign events, and they think, oh, they're going to go to Washington, they get elected, and they're going to put this and pass this law. 
and my God, inflation is going to go down. Prices are going to go down. Gas is going to go down. They're going to do this. And I'm like, I try to tell people that around that I know, I said, it doesn't work like that. No. Don't, don't believe those, those yeah. are TV advertisements to promote something. They're not, I mean, you know, it is, I mean, well, President Biden will still have the veto power. That's what I told people. So I <laughs> but said, yeah. Mm -hmm. They can override, or they might do Congressional Review Act. That's true. So uh, I mean, they're they're going to try and circumvent as best as they can, until you know, and they're going to they're going to keep doing this until twenty twenty four. Yep. And, and the other thing I don't think people understand, like the whole Social Security thing, because yes. they've been saying we need to get entitlements. I mean, Ron Johnson's been talking a lot of them, and so I'm like, seems like more people would really be concerned about you know, their health and their social mm -hmm. security. And I'm like, mm -hmm. it's not even, I mm -hmm. think you're right. It's not even res, it's re, uh, resonating because people are so tied up with this inflation and prices and the country's going in the wrong direction. Right. And we are going to lose it just for a moment of trying to put money in your pocket. We're, this country is going to be in danger forever. Cause you're right. You can't buy, put a price on democracy and it's no. like, we're not valuing it at this point in my opinion, with who we put in office. I know. I mean, they want fascism in our country because that's yeah. where it's going to go. Exactly. Well, we're going to have an autocrat in the White House in 2024. I mean, yeah. I hope it doesn't happen, but I mean, you know, people, that's one of the reasons why I started doing this podcast because mm -hmm. I got fed up with people being ignorant about how their government works. Right. And most politicians, they want you to not understand. They Absolutely. deliberately... The acronyms, the the the, the political jargon, mm -hmm. you know, because one of the things that I do on every every episode of my episode show notes, I have links to CRS reports, Ron. Yep. I mean, because okay, so my the latest episode that has been uh, released, you know, on um, Spotify and, mm -hmm. and other platforms is about lame duck. Okay. Ron, I did not know. Lame duck um, was established through the 20th Amendment of our Constitution. I did not know that either. I had no idea. And, you know, so that's why we're, all, we're always on Congress starts on odd years in January. Mm -hmm. Before they were doing it in December. And I had no idea. And it's just like, you know, it's just, you know, it's just those things like you want to talk about certain things like the budget process. I did a whole episode on that and um, and budget reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Just explaining to people in layman's terms, like this is what your government is doing and don't always believe the political hype from either party. That's right. And then from those who go on social media and they kept saying throughout the 117th Congress, oh, the Democrats control the White House and, and Congress. I'm like, no. We don't. You don't. That's There's true. a little thing that you know the Senate. Mm -hmm. Simple majority of 51, you could do judicial nominations because they did the nuclear option. That's right. But everything else, 60, right? 60, 60 votes. Yep. 60. And, and they're and like, well, no, that's not true. Yeah. Ron, a politician on a social media platform said, "Oh, President Biden." Um, he he um he nominates committee chairman. Oh my goodness. Yes. I can't make this up. 
And, I mean, and that's and and that's a part of the problem with what we've been talking about is the quality and abilities of these candidates yep. and those that are you know coming into public office. Mm-hmm. They truly do not understand how our government works. I mean, I will tell you, there's one member of Congress who is a mayor of one of the cities in the state of Washington. She's brilliant. Mm-hmm. She gets it. She came up with ideas. I sat there in her office and I was like, wow, I want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> because, I mean, it's just like, and I'm, and I'm talking about Marilyn Strickland from okay. the 10th Congressional District of the state of Washington. Okay. She's awesome. She thinks outside the box. She works with Republicans. And she's like, you know, I'm here to get get something done. There we go. She's like, you know, I want to be a part of the solution. I don't want to be the problem. And we need more like that. And it's just, you know, yes. it's, it's very, very frustrating because one of the other things that I think with regards to the Democratic caucus, you don't have that many blue dogs anymore. Yeah, it's like, and when I we first started, when I first started doing this job, they were a force. It meant something. But now right. that you're right, you're either going to be all the way in the other crowd or, yeah, we don't have that. And that's exactly what we need, what we uh, need. Now, I know that Josh uh, Gottheimer, you know, they yeah. had their, uh, you know, and Alyssa Slotkin is a member. She's often talked to us about being you know, mm-hmm. part of, of that particular caucus. But it's like we need more of these, uh, these cross-party caucuses. But, you know, at the same time, you could be looked down, frowned upon. Right. By doing, you know, by doing those kinds of, of things, too. And because uh, I work with some members who dare not do anything with the Democrat. <laughs> so they wouldn't be caught doing anything with the Democrat. And it's like, you know, they made it sound like Democrats and Republicans are just right. the thumbs of the earth. And which I'm like, you know, political part, that's not where we need to be as a, no. as a nation. And the whole Nancy Pelosi thing, I mean, I look at what happened to her husband. I mean, I don't know how in the world, and our governor played around and joked I know. And, and uh, you know, of course, Carrie Lake. But I'm like, how can you just be so heartless and, you know, just don't even, have, no empathy, not one. None. Eighth empathy. And to make fun, I mean, this guy, the, the man was trying to kill him. Yes. Was, trying to assassinate him. And my God, has she been there? You know, who knows? And I'm thinking, God, calm, will this calm down? But I was like, January 6th didn't really change. The, the rhetoric got high. And there was something else that happened, you know, even when the cops were shot back. In the <laughs> mm-hmm. But there have been things that have happened. Even what, uh, 2000, when we had uh, September 11th, I yes. was like, oh, these guys are going to come together forever. I mean, you know, we all could have been done in up here, but they're going to come. But it's like things will happen. Or the shooting at the baseball practice. Yes. And you think, and I'm like, how could any of those guys not want some kind of universal background check? I know. Especially, and then I look at what happened with Mr. Scalise. I'm like, my God, how in the world would you not want to just, everyone should overwhelmingly support universal background checks of police. Right. But, you know, all these things you think that would happen that would sort of make them think, man, you know, we're in this together. We've got some some bad people out there and we need to stop promoting things that route these people exactly all riled up to go do these things right no i i don't see it i hate to say it i don't see it changing right now at this point so you know maybe i'm wrong maybe if things they switch and things change but i think as long as that fraction of uh freedom caucus and those kind Mm -hmm. of guys and i don't know how much he's 
MacArthur would need to give up for them to vote for him. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm sure that's got to play in this too. So he's going to sell his soul. Well, he already has. Well, he did because he was right down at Mar-a-Lago what, right, right after that. So when he mm-hmm. did that, I was like, I'm done with him. <laughs> I, didn't I mean, so, I mean, we're almost to the hour, but okay. what do you think? I mean, I mean, where do we go from here and how can people just be one of my tag? Well, the tagline of Topless Government Podcast mm-hmm. is citizen legislators. Yeah, because that's what I want people to be, to become. Mm-hmm. Because for me, you know, knowledge is power. And, you know, you and I grew up on, you know, Schoolhouse Rock. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this podcast is Schoolhouse Rock. Well, someone described it as Schoolhouse Rock on steroids. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and the thing is, it's just like, so where do we go from here? How do we hold, you know, political candidates accountable when they start running for office and then they, you know, they bring out, you know, these conspiracy theories, the mis- disinformation, mm-hmm. you know, how do we protect ourselves, arm ourselves to making sure that we hold these people accountable because they have to have leadership skills, just That's skills right. in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And I, as I look at it, I think, number one, what you're doing is amazing and breaking this stuff down so that everyone can really understand the system that you and I function in on, on a daily right. basis. So I do, because you can get so hard. I think people look at the federal government and say, things complex. You got the house, you got, the, you know, judiciary branch, mm-hmm. administration, you got Congress, then you got, you know, all these agencies and acronyms. It's just overwhelming. I don't want to deal with that. But I think you're bringing it to them that way. And I always thought to us, well, so for instance, out here, if Jennifer, if Hung Cow beats Jennifer Wexton, mm-hmm. are there a group of us citizens that as soon as he wins, bipartisan, you find some neighbors and you ask to have a meeting with him? Yes. Or you start out there and then, or you come to him, you gather around and say, hey, we want to talk. This is what we're thinking about. These are things we want to see you put on your party list. For us. But then I think you've got to go back to your neighbors and you don't get them all that are in one party, but get some but right. small groups and then you you know, schedule meetings with them. When he's in the district, you want to have, and I think, and have him report on those things. It almost needs to be systematic where you see, and then you say at the end of a year or six months, he hasn't done this. He hasn't done that mm-hmm. in two years. He's running, oh, I want to be reelected. No, you know what? We're, go- we're not going to vote for you. And we're going to go out and tell other people not to vote for you because these were things that we were looking for and you didn't know what you have to do in a situation like that. It's almost like community grassroots stuff. Right. Is what I think you got to get to. But I think, because we can do that, you know, you know, for me out here, like if Phyllis Randall is doing something I don't like, it's different. I can get on the phone and call her or write her staff and say, hey, you know, what is right. this thing? And I think you can, people don't understand how easy you can do that at the local level. You can do that on the federal level. They come into their districts. They have district office. They have staff. So I think, again, once we let, once they're elected, we just let them go. And it's like, you let them go and then they're back in your face campaigning. Right. You know, because it's every two years in, in the house. So I think the day you win, you start really campaigning again almost anyway. So I think that's what we've got. The people have to seize their rights. They have to hold these people and they have to figure it out. And I think you don't necessarily go up to the office on Capitol Hill. You catch them when they're in the district at these yes. and at these meetings. Or you schedule them and you, you make sure that they, and then if they don't want to come, hey, he's not even showing up to listen to to his to his constituents. I think that's and that's that's some bad press. I would never want that that press. All right. the more entrenched ones don't care because they've been here so long. But I think 
Uh, there are a number of, of, of members that do care, even who've been there a long time, that do respect the fact that they are representing the people. So I don't I, I just think it's got to be two prong. One is the education, but we mm-hmm. the, you have got to find from the community, from the community level, you need to attack them that way in terms of what they should be doing and things that they're doing that you don't like. I mean, you know, because uh, I look at it too, I said, you know, if these members are running around conspiracy theory, man, people, you got to tell them there's got to be someone in their district other than the folks that they cowtail to that don't like this. Are right. they hearing from those folks? Are those folks saying, you know, they're going to do what they do anyway. They got that strong base. I don't have time to weigh in on that. I don't think so. I think you have to you have to make the time. It has to be important to you if we want to preserve, you know, this democracy. I agree. I mean, you know what? And on that note, um, thank you for um, coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I, I, mean, I think this is a very good, timely discussion, and it's something that I, we need to work on further along. Because yep. just like you said, I mean, we need to hold them accountable. I mean, mm-hmm. if these, you know, extreme left or right. You know, of center people are elected into office for the 118th Congress. We need to hold them accountable on November 9th, starting on November 9th and and moving on. And then saying like, okay, campaign's over. What are you truly going to do now? Are you going to do the work? Are you going to be committed? Are Mm -hmm. you going to work with constituents that disagree with you? Right. You know, and not just those that voted for you. But I think you're right. I think you're on to something. And I think, you know, yeah, we should start doing that. We really do. Yeah. So Ron, thank you again. This is Ron Ham, president of the Ham Consulting Group. Thank you for coming on Topless Government. Have a good weekend. You do the same, Kristen. Thanks for having me. Pleasure as always. And continue to do great things. Thank you so much, Ron. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.